So I want to speak to you about a new community. The reason I'm talking about this is we have some folks who are joining a new community. And I think it's important that we understand what are we. Now what I want to try and get to is how does God see this community? Because folks, I want to build a community the way God wants us to build this community. Amen. I could have some crazy weird of my own ideas, but you know, God's blessing is upon doing things God's way. And so I'm often going back to Scripture and saying, God, are we being true and faithful to what you've called us to do, what you've said in your word? We want to be authentic, an authentic uh, community of believers. So we're going to get to that Scripture now. But... Um, I wanted to just, before we start, highlight this, and I've often mentioned this. There are three great institutions ordained by God. In, in the planet, you think things are just random, whatever. God is in control, and the three great institutions is firstly family, secondly the church, and thirdly government. Civil government is ordained by God. Now, I'm not going to unpack the scriptures. We've done that often in the past. In all these realms... We can and will sometimes, we unpack this, but it's ordained by God. Amen? The most basic building block of society is the family. And, I, and you may say, no, but it's an individual. But where is an individual meant to be shaped and formed and nurtured and grow up into an, a responsible adult in, this, in, in the world that we live in? It's meant to be family. That is where individuals are meant to be shaped and nurtured and formed. Amen. So we believe in family. We're often ministering to marriages and families, etc. We absolutely believe in family. I want to talk this morning, and my focus is the church. This is the new community that these folks are joining in with. And I want to look at the scriptures about what God says about church. And then obviously civil government. Folks, if we have a problem in civil government, it's not working. I want to say ultimately it's because... The families have not been functioning well. And I want to say also the churches have not been doing what they should be doing in terms of shaping and discipling people and making sure we have godly people because our government is an expression of the people in the nation. And if the people in government are ungodly, then surely the people in the nation, huh? Do you see the connection there? So yes, the church needs to wake up and say, I'm committed to seeing people's lives changed and transformed. We want godly people in this nation so we can have godly government. Amen? So we can point the fingers elsewhere, but folks, let's just remember how God sees it and made it to be. So I want to uh, just come to this. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, Paul the Apostle is writing to Timothy and he says, keep the pattern. He says, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. Now this is so important. We so often, we like rules and regulations and, you know, do it like this, do it like that. But, but scripture often is a pattern. Now, what is a pattern? And I went to go and um, <laughs> Google this. So some of you know what that is. How many you know what that is? Okay. Cynthia, what is it? It's a pattern. For a dress pattern. There, Stella says it's a dress pattern. How many, are there any ladies that recognize a dress pattern over there? The guys are like that. I thought that was a helicopter. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's a dress pattern. I just Googled a dress pattern. Now, I, my mom uh, used to do a lot of sewing. I mean, my granny used to make, back in the day, they lived on a farm. She used to make most of the clothes. My mom, when I was a kid, my mom made many of my clothes, okay? She also bought clothes, but many of my clothes, I have 
Yeah, I mean, you won't believe what my mom made me. So having clothes patterns, I remember our dining room table often with these clothes patterns. It's, it, you, you, you buy them at these uh, dress shops or clothes shops, and it's, it's this thin paper with all these lines on, and you put it out over the fabric, and you pin it to the fabric, and then you cut out. This shows you, shows you the lines you need to cut along in order to cut out the fabric correctly and then it also shows you where you meant to sew to put it all together to make the dress look like a dress or a shirt like a shirt and if you have a pattern and you're finished you know a shirt looks like a shirt and not like a dress and vice versa okay but the pattern also I was just checking with Jenny one pattern with one pattern you can make different size shirts or dresses okay so there are different sizes you know if it's a size 8 or 10 or 12 you cut along different lines but the, this is the deal you can make 10,000 different colored shirts from the same pattern because you can use different fabrics and you know how different a shirt with the same pattern can look just with a different fabric, different buttons, and you know various other ways you can make it look so different. But it's still a shirt. You and I would recognise that is a shirt. And I want to submit to you. You know, uh, Rebecca even said over here that you know each church is different. Well, uh, Rebecca is different to her three other sisters. Rebecca, is that true? Same mom, same dad, but we don't freak out because whatever, you know, she wears glasses and her sister doesn't. It's like, oh my goodness, where does she come from? You know, was she swapped around in hospital? No, no, no. She's, but we can, re you must see these four sisters. You've got four sisters, eh? Two, two, you three. Sorry, you three. These girls look so similar. I mean, you, they, they visited Yoah. You can just tell they are family over there. It's the same pattern. They were made from the same pattern. So I want to submit you. We're coming to the church, folks. There is a God-given pattern for the church. Amen? It's going to be slightly different. But I know some people, I hear these people like, they want to th literally throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're not going to do worship. They're not going to do word. They're not going to do this. They, they just want like totally different. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just... I see a pattern in scripture of, of what a, a, a church is meant to look like. And man, you can throw the whole pattern away. But the, then, I'm not sure you're going to make a dress or a shirt if you were intending to. You, you may make a garment. But who knows what it's going to look like. Okay? And so there is, I'm constrained. We are constrained by what scripture says and how we do things. Amen? It's godly. God has a pattern for what a Christian marriage looks like. God has a pattern for what a Christian husband looks like. That doesn't mean that the way you love your wife is the same way I do. But the important thing is that your wife feels loved by the way you love her. And my wife feels loved. Amen? It's not the same. And that's fine. But there is a Christian pattern in every aspect of life. Not rules and regulations, but there are guidelines. It's so important we understand this. So I put that scripture as a Acts 2.41 as our key scripture for this morning about a new community. And we have people joining our new community. The scripture, though the word that day numbered 3,000, they were all baptized and added to the church. And so this word added is the one I've bolded, I've put in uh, capital letters and I've underlined what makes you think that's an important word we're looking at right now okay because that's exactly the biblical word to describe what was happening here is we had five people being added to our local church 
And I, I just felt it's important that we understand the significance of this. We had, in this, in this verse, Acts 2, beginning of Acts 2, mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's poured out. People are praying in tongues. They're prophesying. Tongues of fire fall. And blow. It's amazing. Amen. Peter gets up to preach to tell people what on earth is going on. He quotes from Joel, for example, here, where he says, In the last days I will pour my Spirit on all flesh. Amen. My sons and daughters will prophesy, etc., etc., and it's beautiful. He, he unpacks it. He comes, he concludes that know this, that this Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. He concludes with, it's about Jesus, it's because of Jesus. And he says, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit, every one of you. And they do. They get baptized. They pray for them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they are added. Folks, a consequence of a mighty move of God is 3,000 people were added to the church. Don't say this is not a spiritual, insignificant moment. The Holy Spirit is wanting to add people. He's wanting to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting you to get water baptized. Absolutely. He's wanting you to repent and make Jesus both Lord and Christ. Amen. Kurios Christos. Your Master and your Savior. Absolutely. But the result is, the end is that you are added. Amen. This is a work of the Spirit. This is the result of what the Spirit of God did in that outpouring. And I want to submit to you, the enemy hates this. The enemy hates the fact that people are added into churches that are patterned after God's plan for, for the church. He hates it. You know, in America they've done surveys post-pandemic. Between 30 and 40% of people who consider themselves church members before the pandemic are no longer going to church. What's the opposite of added? I was like, is it subtracted? <laughs> Maybe we should just leave it as subtracted, okay? 30 to 40% of people have stopped going to church in America. I don't know what the stat is in South Africa. We don't have the Barna Institute researching churches in South Africa. I wish they did. But I'm like, I do. If you've been added to the church, how can you just now, because you're staying at home and you, know, you kind of prefer online pajama church, say, I'm not going to be added anymore? Are you undoing the work of God? What God did with you 5, 10, 15 years ago, but added. How can you just disconnect? So I wanted to actually, uh, let me see, where, where are we going with scriptures here? Oh, I've actually got some good notes here. You guys, are, ooh, you guys are lucky this morning. Whoever did this PowerPoint, wow, look at this. Okay, what does the dictionary say, uh, the word add? And, and again, I was looking at the biblical, I was looking at Strong's dictionary here. To add means to join with. To attach to, together, uh, sorry, to gather together with. Can you see this is connection over here? This is the result of a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People are connected together. I got the picture of, picture of glue, you know. Holy Spirit was gluing people together. All kind of Velcro, you know. I've got another analogy for you. The new disciples were not left alone to fend for themselves. They were added, they were joined, they were attached, they were gathered to the church. They were adopted into spiritual family. And you heard me saying, I mean, in today's day and age, if you conceive a baby and, and give birth to a baby, our society frowns and actually deals with people who give birth to children and just leave them in the street to die. Our, in our society, that is no-go. You don't do that with your children, amen? If you've conceived a child... Your responsibility is to nurture the child and, if you're a Christian, to bring that child up in the ways of God. That's what we do. But in church life, it's like, 
Ah, pray the prayer. Hallelujah, born again. I'll baptize you in my pool tomorrow morning. Great. Okay. God bless you. Cheers. See you in heaven. It's like, you've just left a baby Christian on the street to die. Folks, that is my story. And when I was 15 years old, a Youth for Christ team came to our church, sorry, church, school, high school, and they presented the gospel. They did these beautiful slides about the cross for the first time. It made sense to me why Jesus went to the cross. I was like, oh, I'm so glad Jesus didn't die for nothing. And, but I had the strong conviction that I needed to respond. The teacher was leading us prayer. She looked at me, Mrs. Boys, I remember she looked at me and I was hesitating. And she said, Jacques, are you okay to pray this? And my hesitation was not that I didn't want to pray this prayer. I knew this prayer would change my life. I didn't know I would go into ministry. You know what I thought? I thought I would be a missionary in China. And who knows? I'm still young. Maybe I will still be a missionary in China. But, but this was the deal. It was, in my mind, it was, this thing is going to change my life so radically. That was like the furthest place I thought you could go for God was China. You know, that's on the end of the earth. Just before you feel or fall off the edge of the earth, that's where China is, you know. I felt so deeply in my soul that my spirit was perceiving this would change my life. And I prayed a prayer and I was ready. I felt so light on the inside. I've told you often before. I walked back to my classroom. I literally felt like I was floating. I was like, where are the steps? You know, when I had to go up the steps to my classroom. The guy who led me in the prayer, he took my phone number and he said he would phone me. Folks, I waited one day, two days for him to phone me. Three days, four days, five days, a week. I took, he gave me a little booklet, The Four Spiritual Laws, the prayer that I prayed at the back was there. I prayed that prayer every night. It was the most powerful prayer I knew. It was the only prayer I knew that worked. It had worked on me. I prayed that prayer over again, over and over again. Folks, I prayed that prayer in 1985. I'm still waiting for the call. God never called me back. I didn't grow in God. I was not added, gathered to, joined together, or uh, attached to any other believer until my second year at university. For seven years, oh, I don't know how many years, whatever. It was, no, not seven years. Whatever, three, four years. For four years, I was a baby Christian. And folks, the thing that I needed, I needed to be added. I needed to be added. My first year varsity, I got in with the wrong crowd. I didn't want to, but they were friendly with me, and, and they were the only friends I had. And I did stuff, I've told you before that, I am embarrassed about and I'm not going to tell you what it looks like because it's under the blood. Praise God for the blood. Amen. <laughs> but if I had been added, if that guy had phoned me, if I had got in with a, with a, with a group of born-again believers who were following God, who knows what my life could have been like if I had at the age of 15 been added. I was not added. And so... This whole concept being added is very significant. So it's a work of the Spirit of God. It's a result of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that 3,000 people were added. What happened here, five people were saying, yes, I recognize God's adding us to this church. I want to tell you, the devil hates you being added to a spiritual family, to a church. He'll do everything to prevent it. And 30 to 40% of Americans, uh, American Christians have been subtracted. That they've undone the work of the Spirit of God in their lives. I want to share with you, and I don't know if it's in the next slide. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you why this is amazing. Because I thought of this prince, this point, doing worship. And I went and Googled this little picture. And I copied it and I put it into my PowerPoint. And I went to Jonah at the back and I said, Jonah, can you get me some Lego? Because 
this is just such a brilliant demonstration of the principle of being added, okay? So Lego, just to tell you, I was just literally, thanks to Wikipedia, I found this out during worship. Worship was good, Ajwa. It, it inspired me to research Lego. <laughs> I, when I get inspirations like this, okay, I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. So Lego is the biggest toy company in the world. In 2021, it was officially the biggest toy company in the world. Lego was invented by a guy with the name of Ola, okay? Some of you know Ola. Ola Christensen in Denmark. In 1949, he invented Lego, okay? Now, what I've got in my hand here is actually Duplo. It's a copy of, of, of Lego, but it's exactly the same principle. So I trust you guys all know about Lego. It is these plastic blocks that can be stuck together in different ways and shapes. And for kids, this is amazing. Um, when I was a kid, we never had Lego, but I had friends who had Lego down the road. So I loved going to play with the friends. I was always playing there, and I just always built airplanes. I built a thousand different kinds of airplanes, and that's just what I love building. But anyway, there we go. Can you see? That's actually an airplane there. That is just the aerodynamics of that plane is just phenomenal. Can you see the? Can you see the airplane there? Okay. Now. The significant thing, what did Ola Christensen invent? A plastic block? Big deal. There are many plastic blocks. How come this is the biggest toy company in the world? Uh, another stat I saw, and this is for people like Cass who enjoy remembering numbers. Cass, in 2015, uh, there were an estimated 16 billion Lego pieces in the world. Okay? So, Cass will say that to memory. You can ask him in 17 years' time and he'll tell you. <laughs> but, but that's quite phenomenal. How come, I mean, there are many toy companies. All, there are so many plastic toys in the world. I mean, you go to a toy shop, everything's plastic. How come this one company has got so big and so popular? What makes Lego different from other plastic blocks? Lots of plastic blocks. He invented a way of them sticking together. That was the difference between any other any other toy. This can stick together in so many different ways that you can make, I mean, with three blocks, I mean, look at all the different shapes I can make. It sticks together. You know, if we took this Lego block and I took a saw and I cut those little round knobs off the top, this isn't Lego anymore. It can't stick anywhere. You throw it away. I want to submit to you. God made you to be able to connect, to be able to stick to other believers. That's what adding is. The enemy wants to either cut off there, or at the bottom here, you know, there's, there, there are holes where it can plug in, or plug in with whatever rubbish and prevent your stickability. You were designed, there is a spiritual family for you and a spiritual family for me. And God wants you to be added to, those spiritual, to that spiritual family, to be gathered together, to be connected. That is a work of the Spirit of God. The enemy hates it. We spoke about abiding, abiding in the vine. Now, absolutely, Jesus is the vine. But do you know the branches are connected to each other? Initially, there are many times and for that the life that you need flows through other people from Jesus. You get a word from somebody, a word of encouragement, and you like, wow, that really impacted me. You are getting life because you have been connected to somebody else. Folks, you were, you were created to live connected to others. 
Don't let the enemy make you just a plastic block when you are made to be a Lego block. Amen? This is such an important reality. So there we go. Thank you, Lord, for Lego and technology and everything else. So what were they added to? So these guys in the book of Acts, what were they added to? Ignorance of scripture and tradition, traditional misconceptions cause many people to see the church as. And I want to highlight just three things that people think the church as. And I'm highlighting these are misconceptions. This is not how the Bible describes the church. Firstly, a meeting place. You know, people say, I'm going to church. And they're referring to a building at somewhere. Now, that's how we talk. I talk like that. We send out messages. You know, we invite you to church. But folks, the church is not a place that you meet. It's not a brick and mortar building. We use that language today, but that's not the biblical thinking. I remember when we moved to Peter Maritzburg, ah, gee, hey, 2005. 2005, so we're coming up for our 17th birthday. No, August. What's the date? October, 2nd of October, we had our first service, 2005. And we met, it was actually with some family. I won't say what family because this, this, this message, you know, goes all over the world. And this family member we met with introduced us to their father. And I was talking to this dad. He was an older guy. And he was asking me what we're doing. And I said, no, we've moved to Peter Maris to start a, to plant a new church. He had never thought of, of that ever happening. In his life, church has always been there. He never thought that at some point somebody planted that church. He was like, what? You plant churches? How, how does that? He, I could see his, he was blown. And he was an old guy. I mean, he subsequently passed. I mean, but then he was in his 70s. He was like, plant a church? How? Why? Why? How? Uh, where's your building? So I said, no, we don't have a building. It's like, you, you don't, how, how can you call yourself a church? You don't have a building. Church must have a building. He was blown, but his biggest issue with me, he says, but you don't have a building, you can't have a church. I was like, yeah, but we're going to start in our home. This is before we start. We're going to start in our home, we invite people to our home and everything. But, but you don't have a church, where's your building? Uh, we don't need a building. We, we aren't a building, we're the church. Yeah, but the ch he could not get it. I could see his brain was doing f just flick flacks, like you're planning a church and you don't have a building. How on earth can you be? I'm highlighting this now. He wasn't, from what I understand, his, he wasn't a church-going guy. He was probably one of those guys who went to church, a traditional church on Easter and, and, and Sunday, and it was a very traditional stone building, and that was his concept of church. But it's not just a meeting place. Further, it's not just a worship service. We talk about church on Sunday morning at 9.30, and we have a worship service, and we love it, and we celebrate it, and it's one of the highlights of our week, and I love it, but... Church is more than just a 9.30 to 11 meeting time. Amen? Oh my goodness, I couldn't just say, my life is about a meeting. <laughs> you know, and then people joke about, yeah, pastors don't work. Because, you know, the only time I'm working now is now while I'm bringing the word. You know, the rest of the week I'm just sort of, you know, waiting for my life to carry on on Sunday morning. Okay? No, 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 no. If you, that's your concept, you think church is just a meeting place, it's also like, you know, what do you do? Okay? Next. It's not just a religious organization. You know, like a stuffy old club where you go and, you know, you get patted on the back and people make you feel good and, uh, or make you feel bad or often make you feel worse than you actually are. It's not a religious organization. So what is it? 
He's saying, oh my goodness, I thought I thought I knew what church was. I don't know what it is. Help me. Okay. Well, firstly, what word did Jesus use for this new community of believers called the church? Okay. It was not the word for a synagogue. This is amazing. Because if you read the New Testament, folks, besides the Gospels, the rest of all the books in the Bible are either speaking directly to churches or church leaders about how believers in churches are meant to live. I mean, you cannot read the New Testament and take church out of it. Church is just all over the New Testament. Jesus came and established a new community of believers and he called them the church. But what word did he use? We use the word church. I'll tell you where it comes from. But Jesus did not use the word for synagogue. Now that would have been the obvious word when he's defined and spoke about this new community of believers. He did not use the word for synagogue. The Greek word that he used for, was the Greek word for a group of elders chosen to govern a city, the ecclesia. If you go and read your Bible, the Greek word, wherever in the New Testament the word church is used, in, in, your, in an English translation, it's the word ecclesia. And that was the word used to descri describe the body of elders, the group of elders that would lead and govern a city. This is mind-blowing. Now, where does the word church come from? One of the first um, uh, translations from the Latin into, into European language was actually German. And so when the English translation came, they were looking at what words the Germans used. And the Germans used the word Kirche, K-I-R-C-H-E, Kirche. And I can't remember why the Germans used that word, Kirche, but... When they translated English, they bounced off what the Germans used, church. And the Kirche actually more refers to a building than Ecclesia. So this Ecclesia, it's very important. It is a group of people that were selected to govern. It's got nothing to do with the building. It's all got to do firstly with selection. That if you're part of the church, you are selected. And who does the selecting? God does. Amen. You are chosen by God. Getting a hold of the fact that you're not here by mistake. You are not in this building by mistake. Amen. That you were chosen by God is fundamental to being part of the church of God. Amen. That you are chosen by God. But secondly, that you are chosen to govern or rule and that you have authority. While you walk on this earth, you have a metron. You have a sphere of influence for God. It's a spiritual, firstly, sphere of influence, and you have full authority in your metron to function and bring the kingdom of God into that metron, just as governing elders in a local city, the cities uh, in that time, those elders had authority to govern in those areas. Not rule over others, not dominate over others. We're talking about a spiritual authority to function as an elected representative of heaven in that zone. It is a beautiful concept. It's got nothing to do with the building. It's got everything to the fact that you have been chosen and you have purpose and you are here because God saw you and placed you here in this time. Your geography and your history, where you are and your time here is not a mistake. He figured long before the time that Lusanda is going to be born right now at this time and be in this geography and have authority to function spiritually in this place. Amen. It's a beautiful concept. 
So this is what you are joining, folks. You are joining the ecclesia, those called out to govern and rule. So I want to put two scriptures up that really highlight the spiritual authority we have. Romans 5.17 Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. What do we do with grace? And the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. We are meant to reign in life. This is what Ecclesia. The Apostle Paul is talking about the Ecclesia. Reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. I want to give you just, I want to try and unpack what does reigning or ruling look like? Does it mean that whatever other people, you kind of bossing them around, you know, throwing your spiritual weight around? Not at all, folks. Not at all. I want to submit to you. I was thinking, what happens? I want to paint two scenarios to you. You apply for some job, some promotion somewhere. And I want to say, what does it look like reigning in that situation? What, is look, what does victory look like in that situation? You apply for a job, you've got two options. You get the job or you don't get the job. What does reigning look like in both of those situations? Do you know whether you get the job or whether you get the promotion? You can reign in both situations. If you get the job, I want to submit you, if you get the job and you recognize this is God, God has opened the doors for you, he, he has made a way for you to get that promotion and you give Him the glory and you give Him the honor, you are reigning. If you get that promotion and you say, wow, what a hot shot I am. I am just too good for my shoes, you know. I am super amazing, you know, just the world can't wait for me. And you are proud and arrogant and you say, look how hot I am. I'm like, are you reigning in that situation? What happens if you don't get the job? If you don't get the job, if you rant and rave and, 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 and just, you know, moan and say, people, they don't know what they're missing out on, you know, and, 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 or just throw a tantrum, etc. What happens when you don't get the job and you say, God, I was trusting you before I applied for this job. I was trusting you to open the doors. And God, I know, if a door doesn't open, that's you. I, I know you're in control of this universe. You're in control of that, whether I get the job or not. I know that you've got something better for me. You were maybe protecting me. I don't know the people there. I don't know the situations in that job. I want the best job for me. And if you want me to stay in this current job for another 5, 10, 15 years, because this is where you want me, I will stay. I will serve you wholeheartedly and gladly. Amen? Where, who's reigning better over there? You see, we, we have this such a narrow view of reigning as, you know, every job you apply for, you get. You know, every contract you apply for, you get. Folks, if that was reigning, I'm telling you, churches would be full. But God wants, God wants character in your life. And He wants you to bring Him glory in every situation. And so, I want to submit to you, reigning is if you can bring God glory in every situation. When the doors open and when the doors close. That is reigning in life by Christ Jesus. I have been a greater witness to people in my life when I failed my exams than when I passed and people were like, oh, great, he passed. And that is just how God works. Another scripture I've got for you, 1 John 5 verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's a big scripture. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you get the job and you're still in faith and say you say yes, and if you don't get the job and you're still in faith, folks, you are walking in victory. This is the ecclesia God has called us to. Now, <laughs> 
So, okay, I'm trying to unpack what it looks to be Ecclesia, and you say, what is Chuck Norris doing there? Now, this was sent to me by Cass, you know, and Cass is a very spiritual guy, so when he sent this to me, I was like, there's a deep spiritual meaning, because he sends it to me just before church and everything, so, you know, I took it that he's obviously, you know, the Lord's speaking to him through, through Chuck Norris. So, apparently, Chuck Norris is a Christian, by the way, okay, but I don't think that's why Cass sent it to me. So... If you don't know Chuck Norris, you're probably too old, okay? But you don't have to say, right? Yeah, whatever. whatever. You, can, you can see it that way if you want to. <laughs> so Chuck Norris, I know some of you don't know who Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is an American actor who acted in a lot of these action movies and series where... Uh, and by the way, he was a martial arts expert. He like got black belt in some martial arts, and then he got into acting. So he does. He used to do these crazy. You, you know, he's one of these guys where there are like ten gangsters attacking him with bricks and knives and everything. And you know, within one minute, he's like, yeah, yeah, and everybody's lying, and he's standing there, sukiyaki. You know, he's kind of like that. And and so he's got there's a lot of Chuck Norris jokes because he's just so like supernaturally just like what okay i'll tell you my wife wants me to tell a chuck norris joke guys i didn't want to but she's asking me you know how do you say no to your wife you know do you know that when chuck norris goes into the bathroom he doesn't turn the shower on he just looks at it and it starts crying <laughs> do you know that chuck norris he doesn't do push-ups he pushes the earth down. <laughs> do you know how many push-ups Chuck Norris can do? All of them. <laughs> My last one. Do you know that that lion skin carpet in Chuck Norris's bedroom is not a carpet? The lion's just too scared to move. <laughs> There we go. Oh, that was so good. Oh, God. Guys, I'm so glad you love Chuck Norris jokes as much as I do. I mean, you guys, just amazing congregation, okay? So, now you understand this joke, but if you don't understand chess, okay? He's playing chess. He's got one piece, the pawn, which is like the weakest little uh, piece on the, on, the, on the chessboard against a whole, uh, the all 16 other pieces on the other side. It's impossible to win, but if you Chuck Norris, it's not impossible. <laughs> Okay, so what was the spiritual truth? I, I, I had to sort of think about this. I was like, we're talking about reigning in life. And you know, maybe sometimes you feel like that white little pawn on the other side. But Jesus is like Chuck Norris. <laughs> and you have this overwhelming odds there. And you're like, okay, Jesus, your move. Okay, we're going to do this. Okay, so there we go. You know, it's amazing where you can get spiritual truth from. There we go. Okay. We may just have to edit that whole section out because some people are going to think. You know, the one time, I don't know if you remember, Stacy was in our church a few years ago. And Stacy, that Sunday, Stacy came to church. She was also checking out churches and she just walked, she literally walked to us. We were the closest church. She was, li she was literally staying in Burkett Road, yeah. And she walked into church. And that Sunday, I was using an illustration uh, with, with asterisks and obliques. And she was like, any pastor that preaches about Asterix and Oblix, I'm coming back to that church. So anyway, some people are coming back because we talk about Chuck Norris. Some people say cheers. Okay, anyway, as long as you get added, guys. Okay, as long as you add it. I hope I'm not subtracting some people over here. Whew, 
Okay, that was a nice detour. I enjoyed it. I hope you did. The New Testament gives three key illustrations of what the church is like. So we're coming back to you, okay? Church isn't just a meeting. It's not a venue, etc. What is it, okay? The church is like a building made of people. A building made of people. Just nudge your person. That's you. Nudge your neighbor, okay? That's you. It's a building made of people. 1 Peter 2.5 you also, like living stones, folks, we living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Folks, the thing about a spiritual, a, a physical building, if there was a hole in that wall because there was a brick or three missing, how many would say that is not normal, that's not right? Folks, there's a spiritual house and if we are spiritual stones, living stones that he talks about here, folks, this speaks to me about everybody has a place. And everybody belongs. Jesus is the builder. And you know the builder who ever built this building, he selected bricks to go in certain places. And there are certain times you need certain size bricks because of whatever, and you carefully select or trim the brick to go in there. The Bible says God sets the lonely in families. I don't believe you should go to the church you want to go to. I believe you should absolutely go to the church you believe God wants you to be in. Amen? Let's go on. Men build church buildings using wooden stones. God builds His church using people. The church is God's dwelling place on the earth today. In Ephesians 2.19 right, says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Folks, belonging, do you know that belonging is one of the greatest needs that people have? And the church is meant to offer that to people. I love the stories that people shared up here, just the sense of belonging. Folks, I want to commend you, I want to thank every one of you for being so welcoming to new people coming into our house. You know, I said from the beginning, when we came here, the church is the only organization in the world that exists for non-members. There are people that many be part of this community that aren't at the moment. And God forbid that we kind of get to the place where we say, well, we fill, you know, we put a sign on the door, full. Folks, I don't believe that's the heart of God. God's heart, God's heart doesn't get like, <clears throat> you know, I have enough kids on earth today, Okay. Anybody getting married now, sorry, you, you, you're just not going to conceive. Oh my goodness, can you imagine that? That's a scary thought. God's not like that, amen? He's got an infinite capacity for people. Okay, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. You know, the apostles and the prophets is a term referring to the Old and the New Testament. Okay, The teachings of the apostles and the teachings of the prophets. That is how we build. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We're a Christ-centered church. Amen. In Him the whole building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Folks, built together. There's levels of anointing that a church can carry and it's very much dependent on your individual anointing. As we come together, the corporate anointing increases. Amen? 
God wants to build you together that we can be a house where God's presence is tangible. I've prayed when we opened this building that when people would come in here, they would like, whoa, what is going on over here? Even if they don't know what the presence of God is like. Amen. I want to, on the next slide, point two. The second, so the first biblical image of the church is a building built of people. The second biblical image is the church is like a human body with many different parts. 1 Corinthians, number of scriptures. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If one, suffer, one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Again, belonging, folks. This speaks about belonging. And, I mean, we often use the analogy of a body part that's separated from the body. Amen? If you walk down the street and you see a body part in the street, we freak out. It's like, oh my goodness, what's going on over here? It's not normal. But yet Christians want to be separate from the body and they think that's normal. Folks, remember, one of the analogies over here is that the, the life of this hand comes because it's attached to this arm. You get cut off, the life disappears. Okay, let's go on. The human body, so the body of Christ, there are no spare parts. Not only is each part important, but each part must be connected to the body to function properly. Okay, I'm actually going to go on from that. We've looked at that point. Third and last point. The church is like a bride preparing for a wedding day. This is beautiful. Now, I, one of my greatest privileges is, is doing weddings. Uh, I'm actually doing another wedding. Um, Emma's brother and sister-in-law on the 20th, I've got to get the date, 20th of August. And we're just walking with them. We're doing marriage input into them and, we, and we're doing their wedding. I love weddings. But I never knew how much effort brides put in until my daughter got married. Now, my oldest daughter, Anne, got married end of 2019. And when I got married, we got married on Jen's folks farm. And I, had, I was staying on the neighboring farm. I didn't know how much effort this lady was putting into getting ready. The guys all went off to go get ready. We got married in the garden. It was a do-it-yourself wedding. And I think they forgot to come and fetch me. The wedding was meant to be at 11 o'clock. I'm sitting there and it's like, you know... It's quarter past 10, 20 past 10, half past 10. I'm getting married half an hour. I'm sitting on the farm. I don't have a car. I, nobody's around. Everybody's getting ready for the wedding. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be late for my own wedding. It was one of the most stressful times of my life. I was stressing. You know, I put on my suit in like five minutes and I was ready to go. You know, I had no idea how much titivating was going on on this with this girl. Whew, when I saw her. I was like, oh, that was all worth it. I'd never seen anything so beautiful in my life. Woo! When she walked down that aisle, oh my goodness, I nearly fainted. When my daughter got married, she had her bridesmaids. They, they converted the lounge at our home into a beauty salon. And I mean, it started the night before. It started with all kinds of oils in the bath. I hear, I wasn't there, but I was in the house. I mean, in the bathroom, you know, to the mob. They woke up early that morning. And the day before, the days before, nails were done at salons. And I, I, I can't begin to tell you the amount of effort that went into getting my daughter ready. I was shattered at how much attention went into her, <laughs> thinking of how long I took to get ready for my wedding. 
But folks, I'm just telling you that, that Holy Spirit is working in you and me because when we are presented as the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus, uh, of Jesus Christ as his bride, we are going to be so beautiful. We are going to be so radiant. It is going to be astounding. Now, I wanted to tell a little bit about the lady side of things with, when it comes to brides. Because I know guys are usually totally clueless. And this, kind of, this, this comparison usually goes straight over guys' heads. But if you understand the amount of effort a young lady or any lady puts in to get married, you understand the deep working of the Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. A bride has made herself ready. Okay. Paul compared the church to a radiant bride without wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It says in Ephesians, So he might present to the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In Ephesians 5.27 in the Passion it says, All that He does in us is designed to make us a mature church for His pleasure. Until we become a source of praise to Him. Isn't that beautiful? I'm like, God, I'm okay to all the stuff you, we, you take us through. If you're going to make us a source of praise to Him, glorious and radiant, Beautiful and holy without fault or flaw. I'm like, wow, God, that is amazing. John describes the church as a bride prepared for a husband. Revelations 21 verse 2 is the last verse. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of the heavenly realm from the presence of God like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for a husband adorned for a wedding. Three beautiful pictures of what the church is like and how God sees the church. And I want to pray, and I particularly want to pray for people whose connections have been under attack. You kind of say, I used to have some really good relational connections with spiritual family, but sure, it's been under attack. And folks, I'm not even, I don't even want to mention all the ways that relationships come under attack. You know what it's like. But I want to pray. And, and I actually, I want to pray for all of us. But if you really want to mean business with God, and there's some personal prayers you want to pray, I actually want to just say our encounter team would be more than willing to pray with you. If there's some deeper stuff in your life that you want to pray with and pray through about reality that you are not connected that adding that the spirit of god wants to do with every one of us has been under attack and you know that that has been a work of the enemy and you're saying god i know that's not how i'm meant to live i'm a lego piece i'm meant to be connected if your sort of connections have been worn down we want to pray for you i'm going to pray a general prayer and then if you want more prayer, then maybe just once I've finished praying, let's just remain seated. And I want to do this, that when I finish praying, 
close the service. We can get up. Is there tea and coffee? There isn't today. If you want prayer, you just put up your hand. Our encounter team members will see you. They'll come and sit next to you and pray with you. Because this is, this is very significant. When the enemy does, does things in our lives to disconnect us, it can be some really deep stuff that uh, our encounter team would be more than willing to pray with. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, this picture, how you see the church is just so much more glorious. It's so much more beautiful. Lord, I, I, I sometimes think of how the world sees the church and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, that's not at all. That's not at all how you see us, Lord. And so, God, firstly, will you upgrade our picture of how you see us? And God, by your Spirit, enable us to live and be the church, the ecclesia, Lord, the body, the building of people, and the bride of Christ, Lord, that you intended us to be, Lord. Lord, that people may, may look at us and say, sure, I want to be with them. And that was my testimony in my first year of varsity. I saw the Christians and I was like, want to be with them. I saw their connections, I saw their relationships and I was like I want friendships like that. So God would you work in us. And particularly Lord where our our connecting ability where our adding has been eroded. Where the enemy has come in and lied to us or wounded us Lord. Lord reveal the enemy's lies and heal us of our wounding God. Heal us of our wounding <coughs> That we may be added, that we may be this beautiful bride, Lord, that you see us to be. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.